What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, and I am joined today not by Nicole Yang or Chris Grenham, but by my good pal Brian Robb of MassLive.com. B Rob, how you doing, man? Tom, we got deals. We got things to talk about. We got a lot of deals, man. What a wild, wild Friday here. The Celtics made us all stay up until 1 a.m. to uh, cover the draft, to bring in a, a guy that literally only Grenham and I had ever heard of. Yeah, did you predict that? I saw this clip today. All right, all right. Like, again, I want to clarify this because I don't want to steal Grenham's valor here. Before we got on the pod, Grenham told me, I think the Celtics brought in this this French guy and he had, you know, he had, you know, Bogaran's name and everything. And he said, you know, I think they brought him in. I'm trying to get it like sourced. I'm talking to some people, but I don't have that one. So I don't know for sure, but he's pretty good. I think they're pretty high on him. And so we spent about three minutes watching Bogaran, like like just watching some highlights. And we were both just kind of like, oh my goodness, this guy's pretty good. So then we were like, all right, let's just make a stupid prediction who do we think the Celtics are going to take at 45 and Grenham was like Aaron Henry from Michigan State and I said uh I think I'm gonna do Bogaran because I was like that's stupid I literally only heard of the guy like you know an hour ago that's why I'm saying his name and so I pivoted to Herb Jones who obviously was off the board however the Celtics did in fact go get Bogaran I can only give myself credit in that I almost picked the guy that Grenham told me this the Celtics had just had it that's the only credit I can take for it take Uh, it regardless I'll say I'll take it either way yeah all of that aside, quite a busy day for the Celtics now. Um, we're recording this at 10 p.m. on Friday. So if anything happens in the interim, uh, that's why we didn't talk about it. But the first trade of the day, the Celtics sent out Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson ended up with the Kings. The Celtics end up with Chris Dunn and I believe a second round pick. And the Hawks end up with DeLon Wright. Is that it? Did they all they get? And Bruno Fernando also coming to the Celtics. Right. Right. B-Rob, I, I know you, you know, were pretty plugged in today. You were obviously doing a lot of work. What were some of the things that you heard? What were some of the things that, that stood out to you with Tristan Thompson finally leaving? I, right. I have my own <laughs> let, let, Let's get yours first. What a run for Tristan Thompson in a Celtics <laughs> uniform. You know, not being able to play for the first few weeks after getting hurt, coming into training camp, not in great shape to uh, just, a, should we say a Rocky? I don't know how I you would think, describe this. I think Rocky is a good word for it. A Rocky uh, time in Boston. To me, Tom, this is just like finances. We got $40 million rolled up in like our bigs right now. And that's yeah. probably not a good game plan. And we know Brad loves Al. Yep. And we don't know how long Al Horford's going to be here, but it's probably going to be here next season, at least to start. And so do you need Tristan Thompson here for $10 million? No, no. when you want to play Rob Williams too. So the fact that they got off the money, I was surprised they were able to do this. You know, they got a draft pick out of it. And maybe, I mean, we'll see what happens with Chris Dunn, if they keep him or not. But you could potentially have a, a useful player there if he uh, if he gets healthy. Who knows what this means in terms of lineups, in terms of who's going to be here and who's not. But Chris Dunn and Marcus Smart would be a hellacious backcourt together. Like, that would be pretty fun to watch. He's on the books for $5 million next season and then unrestricted free agent. I think one of the interesting things is how a lot of the moves the Celtics made today felt like, you know, they were very much building toward having cap space going forward, right? Like they're building toward, especially next off season, having some, some real uh, room to maneuver, which I know is something that you've written about before. Yeah, that, that seems to be the goal here. When you even, you look at this, we'll get into Josh Richardson a little bit later too, but a pretty common denominator here is these expiring contracts that they've acquired. And you, you save some money in the present by getting rid of Thompson that may, let you do some other things now but ever since that Kemba Walker deal was made Tom they've been wanting to keep their options open because you don't know what's going to happen and you know nothing really happened to the draft last night in terms of the big fish around the NBA so that that storyline is going to be there all summer long and potentially all season long here well I don't 
I mean, I don't think that one's going anywhere. Like, it just feels like one of those, you read the tea leaves a little bit. Like the fact that when Shams reported that Beal is staying in Washington, he said right now, (laughs) that line specifically, like that's all like, yeah, I I don't think it was missed by anybody in the front office that Jason Tatum posted a shamrock emoji under a a photo of Bradley Beal on Instagram. Like I'm guessing the point was well taken. So what, what are you doing right now if you're the front office here? You have, I think after the Richardson train, we'll, we'll get into that more in a second, but like you have, I think, 15 guys on contracts right now. 13 of those are guaranteed. I mean, Jabari, I think it's maybe 50-50. He's going to have to clearly earn a spot in training yeah. camp if they keep him that long. Moses Brown, I think, has a pretty good chance staying. Bruno Fernando, who the heck knows? Like, he could yeah. be a casualty quickly. But, like... That position in particular could get crowded. Right. So, one of those guys probably gets cut. But if they if they want to add, you know, a decent free agent or two, and then some end-of-the-bench guys, like, who's who's on the... Is it just Carson, who's, like, all, they're just going to watch Summer League and see who they want to keep out of this crew, essentially? Is that what's going to happen, you feel like? I mean, that feels like the best guess, right? Yeah, like, maybe Carson. But, yeah, I mean, it, I think Summer League could play something of a role in in this year's roster, which is that happens most years, right? Like, you know, the Max Struces versus the, you know, Javante Greens of the world and all that, like that does happen sometimes. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the case. Before we go on, I did want to say, so the Geno Time podcast has always been rather unkind to Tristan Thompson, me in particular. <laughs> and I want to just take this opportunity to double down on that. I Ooh. think he did not play well in Boston. He didn't make sense at the time. Like the thing that he does in the NBA well was was rebounding and all the other things that he doesn't do well just were on such a bright spotlight in Boston. It just felt like that was a terrible pairing. And the fact that he also took up the full mid-level exception and hard cap to the Celtics and the fact that then you know Brad Stevens felt the need to play him even when he just clearly wasn't as good as Daniel Tice and he clearly was not helping lineups with Daniel Tice in them and then you know the fact that Rob Williams was clearly better than him I'm sure the Celtics appreciated having him you know for some big depth but then it was like big depth is great but also they didn't go anywhere in the playoffs anyway so like what really did it do for them I have to say Tristan Thompson felt like a catastrophic signing at the time and just never really got much better I'm not I I'm saying all this because I, I know that there's a tendency to like if there you know if there's a player who underperforms kind of kicking him on the way out the door but like I doubt the Celtics are particularly broken up about losing him uh, I think during that rant he just missed another kickout pass to an open three-point shooter on <laughs> offense rebound uh yes Thompson I'll give him this he game three against the Nets that was vintage Tristan Thompson but was. the problem was that game happened like once at every 10 or 15 nights right exactly season and you know you you knew we weren't getting much offensively with him the lack of passing was alarming to say the least. To me, the biggest issue was like the defensive slippage of him. He has something, you know, he's still a, a solid center or backup center, but his ability to switch on the smaller guards and stuff was just pretty much gone. And so with that out of play, that made him a net negative on both ends of the floor a lot of nights. And then to your point, this was turned into a, a very, very bad signing. Yep. So Celtics have moved off that. It is kind of funny how many of Brad's moves early on here feel like he's just kind of like, let me fix this real quick. <laughs> let me fix this real quick. And uh, moving on from there. So he's undoed the last two years, pretty much. <laughs> like yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. Let's talk about the Celtics' other move of the day. Basically got Josh Richardson for free. The Mavericks were trying to get off his money for the next two days, uh, I believe, until the league calendar switches over. His contract does actually fit into the rest of the Gordon Hayward trade exception. Do I have that right? That's right, yep. For one thing, it's kind of interesting that the Celtics got Josh Richardson and Evan Fournier for Gordon Hayward in the end, because realistically, they traded, I mean, whatever they're going to trade out to make the trade work for Richardson won't be very much. And then they sent two first round or two second round picks, I should say, for Evan Fournier. So 
realistically, Gordon Hayward and three second round picks became Josh Richardson and Evan Fournier. So that's kind of an interesting wrinkle to this. But I don't know. I mean, what do you make of this move overall, both like on court fit and then just Richardson as another expiring deal? Just what, what do you make of, of his addition? I actually like Richardson and he had a, I mean, he had a bad year in Dallas. He kind of was by the end of the, of the playoffs, I feel like barely playing off the bench for them. But back in his like Miami days, like he was a problem for the Celtics and a lot of teams. And I mean, that was a few years ago and Philly, the fit there was not great, but that's because I think that whole team was a terrible fit. So blaming him for that kind of seems like a mistake, but from a defensive standpoint, he will help the Celtics because they need more of a presence on the wing outside of Marcus Smart. And he can bring that if he can figure things out offensively a little bit. I know he dealt with COVID a lot last year, so you wonder how much that impacted things for him. But yeah, like defensively, this looks like it could be a big help for a team that needs it. Yeah, and I think Richardson had some slippage defensively last year. But like to your point, I think that COVID certainly might have played a role in that. Um, You know, we've seen him be a good defender in the past. And I I think that's entirely plausible that if you look at the two situations, the one being Philadelphia and the the second one being a COVID season in in Dallas, like I, I could easily see that, you know, him bouncing right back. The, the Sixers thing is kind of funny just because the Celtics now have both Horford and Richardson, like two of the guys <laughs> who, when the Sixers added them, all Sixers fans were like, oh, this like this team is going to be so nasty. And then they were just a huge disappointment. So that's kind of funny as well. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I like him as an addition. And I think too, having another guy who's got kind of an edge to him and who's been in the NBA for a long time, like that was really big. Like, I don't know what other moves the Celtics are going to make this offseason. I don't know like what other piece they want to add to Tatum and Jalen. I mean, I certainly have my guesses, but like, I don't know what other piece they want to add to them that you know can help carry this team into the future but I just think that this offseason a big thing was going out and getting other people who just know how to hoop an NBA player not just another young guy who's who's never been here and they got to try to work him in other guys who, who have played NBA basketball for a while that's that I think was a huge thing that Tatum and Jalen really needed this offseason and Brad is you know to his credit he's done a good job of bringing in those type of guys like they now have several so now this team has quite a bit more experience now which is interesting and free agency hasn't even started yet so yeah, to that right. point like we're gonna my guess is look at that free agent list and cross off all the guys that have like five or fewer years of experience in the NBA based yep. on how Brad's been talking and you just look at his track record in terms of where he's found success like that's where his bread and like the year the Celtics have overachieved the Celtics had a ton of those guys yep. and so I feel like whether you know he's not coaching anywhere but he it's clear to see in terms of team construction what he values and it'll be interesting to see how well that translates under Udoka once yeah. he kind of gets this group going Well, and I think it's going to be interesting for everyone who's been paying attention to the Celtics over the last few years to kind of see where the push pull between him and Danny Ainge might have been, right? Like Danny would go out and bring in all these young guys and Brad would like stick with the veterans and everybody would kind of be like, well, is he just trying to like get the young guys ready to go? And it might just be that Brad doesn't really want to play young guys. (laughs) Like like that's certainly a strategy to, to employ. But if Brad goes out and basically brings in like really veteran heavy teams for a little while here, it will kind of feel like maybe he didn't love the teams that Danny Ainge was putting together for him over the years like maybe uh maybe you know hopping into the front office might have been a nice thing for him because he's just like okay like this has been driving me insane for three years let me uh let me just tweak a, f- a few things here and there it's fair to say and we know like I've talked to Danny Ainge about it after he you know retired to say like yeah this is like seeing not just Brad but the rest of the front office get an opportunity here to yeah. do things because there was some I mean, there isn't any front office that there's going to be some internal disagreement there. But now we're kind of seeing what 
those guys get a chance to see, okay, what can we do here? And with these moves, I, I expect them, this is kind of getting back to where they had a lot of success. And now again, they, they create, not only do they get these guys in, but they created new TPs of this. They yeah. cut some salary. They're, they're kind of checking off some boxes here as they build this thing in, in terms of trying to figure out how best to set up this team for the launcher. The like so the Celtics traded Tristan Thompson, but like they were able to create another traded exception through that. How, how does that work? Yeah, pretty much. So they get Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn fits into the Cantor exception, which is about five million dollars from last offseason. That's the salary matching part of the deal from Atlanta's end. But then the Celtics say, okay, we can send out Thompson for no return here. And that essentially creates a new $9 million trade exception. So essentially just resets the clock on a new trade exception that it's not, it's only 9 million. So it's not as big as a hair one, but it's still, you know, those are useful yeah. for if you want to make a midseason upgrade or just essentially help out, be a third team in a deal, a facilitator, if you will. And so creating those options when you're over the cap is important. Oh, totally. I mean, look at Josh Richardson. The Celtics just brought him in. (laughs) Like they were just like, yes, please. Thank you. I will take precisely one Josh Richardson. So, you know, obviously we're a couple days away from free agency here still. What do you make of where the Celtics are at now? Do you, do you see any sort of any, anywhere they, they go from here, any, any guys that they could pursue? I know there was obviously the reports yesterday about Lonzo Ball. There would have to be some, some gymnastics there for sure. I mean, what do, you, what do you make of where the Celtics are at? I mean, th- these deals, Tom, I feel like anything's on the table now. Because you're like, okay, yeah, point guard, well, they just got Chris Dunn. Like, maybe. And then yeah. it's like, oh, they're going to resign 48. Well, they just got Josh Anderson. So... Are they going to do that? Are they going to re-sign Fournier and like trade smart? I don't expect smart Fournier and Richardson to be here next year. I mean, where do you go in that? If you have to make that choice right now, like, I, I don't know. It's really hard because I, I mean, I think Marcus Smart has so much value to the Celtics and he's been, he, he's, he's been an integral part of the team, but at the same time, it's like, okay, if you look around, it's, it's kind of like the year, you know, the Celtics brought in all those wings and you kind of looked at Jay Crowder and you're like, I kind of think Jay Crowder might be on his way out. I think Fournier gets a lot of money somewhere and he goes out and sign a trade or something like that. Because again, the flexibility thing, if you're like, are they going to commit 460 to Fournier? I don't, I don't see that happening. So that might make the decision for them. I mean, I guess the interesting question with that is if they end up doing that, what do you make of their usage of that giant traded player exception? If the guy they bring in, you know, he he played in, I mean, you know, like, and, and a lot of it wasn't his fault, obviously. He had, you know, issues with COVID-19. There's nothing you can do about that. But, you know, he only only played a few games. You know, if, if he's out the door... I don't know. I mean, presumably there were a couple of, I don't know if there were other options they could have, you know, done with the, with the traded player exception. What do you make of that? If Fournier does walk. You got to hope Josh Richardson's really good. <laughs> yeah, if exactly. not, I think so. You got to hope for a real good bounce back here. Cause if not, <laughs> then that is um, not a good use of uh, Gordon Hayward walking out the door and giving up four second round picks to create that in the first place. So that that's, so that'd be some collateral damage there. Yeah. It's funny because it doesn't, if you have, good Evan Fournier and decent Josh Richardson, all those second round picks, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. Sure. Like, get him out the door. You know, if Fournier walks and Richardson is mediocre, it's like, oh, juice. We have a lot of <laughs> second round picks that walked out the what door. We, nothing, so. What did we do here? We had a chance to get a first round pick last year with yeah. this, and then we turned that down. Uh, but this is where the front office will have to get creative here. They're, they're trying to, they know they have these issues. They don't want to con- compound some of these tough decisions by making ones that dig them into a deeper hole in terms of their future. So now it's like, okay, what, how can we make the best out of a potentially bad situation? The answer to that might be Josh Richardson, which is not a great answer, but at the same time, could he be a better player than Evan Fournier next year? Like when you consider both ends of the floor, it's not likely, but it's certainly possible. And so that's what we're going to potentially find out. 
the other thing to remember is, would he have helped the Celtics bench last year? And if the right. answer is yes, it's, it's not a complete loss, right? Because yes. Celtics bench last year needed some real help. And the core of the team is going to largely be the same this season. Obviously, with Kemba gone, it's a little different. But, I mean, the core of this team has always been Jalen and Jason. And, you know, if Marcus is still here next year and the bench is a little bit better, looks kind of like last year's team, who could have really used a more solid bench. So if Richardson can do that, there's probably some value there. We'll call it a pod for right there. This will be dated in 12 hours anyway. When you're (laughs) This will be dated in 12 hours. One way or the other, B-Rob, thanks for being on, man. We will talk to you all again soon.